Hello and welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans, the live streaming podcast where your favorite hosts bring some of the most interesting topics of the week to you and to our panel to discuss and ultimately determine if it's truth, lies, or shenanigans. And of course, we always try to have some fun with shenanigans of our own along the way. My name is Neo Nix. And I'd like to wish my dad and all the fathers out there and all the fathers that want to be fathers, like myself, a very happy Father's Day. We have a fantastic show for you and some interesting topics. We'll start with our guest spotlight on president and founder of Rethink Resource, Shane Harker. We'll be asking all about him and find out how he's helping to save our planet. Then... Robbie Rock wants to talk about another racist statue being torn down, but this time in Canada. Lizzie is bringing a discussion on the one-time Twitter queen, Miss Chrissy Teigen, and the recent shenanigans with her. And Gianni Storm brings us a story about a father suspected of double murder of his daughter and wife, an attempted murder of his son, being allowed to defend himself and question the 11-year-old child. And as always, we'll start with a quick-fire question and end with some fun in Shenanigans, the game show. But before we get into the show, I need to introduce you to our hosts, our gamer, tech guru, bonafide rock star with the rock band Fallen Machine, coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario, Mr. Robbie Rock. Man. What? I get to go first? Is this you get to go first. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> right? Totally threw me off. I was just like, oh, I'll take that as a Father's Day gift. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out uh, to my kids. I got some wonderful Father's Day wishes uh, earlier in the day, and it just brightened my day. And we're still being COVID safe, and we're getting together in a week and a half for my daughter's birthday. So it'll be nice to have everyone together then. Yes, happy Father's Day, Robbie Rock. All right. And streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, our favorite model, actress, and co-host of TLS Unscripted, Miss Gianni Storm. Happy Father's Day to everybody, all the fathers out there and the single mothers. Um, and I've been having a good week. It's feel, I feel like I've been in the Amazon rainforest because it's been raining every single day of the week here in Atlanta. Oh, really? But Is it raining down there? I didn't know that. Stop. It's not raining where you guys are at in D.C.? Wow. No, oh, nice. it's beautiful. Day. Hot. beautiful day. Beautiful day. You guys just have the cicadas. We'll, we'll have the rain. <laughs> <laughs> we did have some cicadas. <laughs> it was raining cicada pee for a while. <laughs> I haven't seen any in the city. Yeah, I've heard about some in, in the country, but for the most part, no. But it's been good. It's just been rainy out here. <laughs> All right. And our professor, editor, journalist, sports savant, and birthday girl, Miss Lizzie Enders. Ooh, Lizzie. Happy. What's up, what's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. So just a quick notice. Today, technically today is not my birthday. My birthday is this coming Thursday, June 24th. However, for some reason, Facebook decided to make yesterday my birthday. And so I got all of birthday shout outs, whatever, including a very nice 
birthday call from Rob B. Thank you. I appreciate it. But then I have to go back because I don't want anyone to like, you know, throw all of the stuff they have planned for me on Thursday away. So I had to go back and then I <laughs> It's not my birthday. My birthday is this coming Thursday, but the celebration starts today. That's right. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Lizzie. In addition to birthday, you know, celebrations for my old ass, I honestly want to extend a happy Father's Day, not only to Rob B, but also to all of the fathers out there. I grew up a daddy's girl. My dad was very important and very significant to me in my life. I think about him every single day. He passed away 29 years ago. However, he's still in my thoughts. So happy Father's Day to all of you guys out there. I think a lot of men don't get enough credit for being great fathers, for being amazing fathers. So this is for you all out there. Happy Father's Day. Yep. All right. And a quick reminder, be sure to check out TLS Unscripted. Uh, Gianni Storm is co-host of TLS Unscripted. Check her out Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can find her at TLSshow.com, or you can listen to it the next day on TLSpod.com. All right, we've got to get into our show. We've got a packed show today, so let's get started. <laughs> All right. This week, after the Senate unanimously approved it, Joe Biden signed the law making Juneteenth a federal holiday. Now, for those under a rock this weekend, June 19th, 1865 was the day that the last of the unfreed slaves in Texas were informed of their freedom. So my question to you is, what now? Let's start out with Lizzie Ender's birthday girl. What now? First and foremost, what now? We replace the word celebration to observation. Mm. We're observing Juneteenth. Observing. Okay, observing. Robbie Rock? The national holiday recognizes an important event, but it doesn't correct current issues in the system. All right, Gianni? What's next? Reparations. Oh, you want reparations. Yeah, similarly, I, I want refund the police, police reform, take the money from corrupt cops and put it to better social programs. So... Now, a lot of black people took to Twitter and TikTok pretty angry, actually, saying uh, this is not enough, calling it performative activism. So are we happy with uh, Juneteenth as a federal holiday or not? What do you guys say? Let's start out with Lizzie yeah, again. Think, yes, we're happy. And yeah. who said that this is the end result? Who said that this is where we're going to stop? I Good. think we got to get out of this mindset that we can't multitask. That we can't ask for one thing while still having our foot on the gas and demanding other things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a all of the people, including a, a, a beautiful older lady um, named Opal Wee, who's 94 years old, who is from Texas, who, is, who has been fighting for getting Juneteenth recognized nationally for decades. Like, we, we gotta acknowledge this. If we can celebrate July uh -huh. 4th, then we can fucking celebrate Juneteenth. With okay? We stop caring and we stop fighting for all in all other areas of equality 
and social justice. Like you guys would be surprised, honestly, you guys would be surprised at the number of students that I've had over the past few years at Howard University who never heard of Juneteenth. Uh-huh. Never heard of the Tulsa riot. Who never even heard of Black Wall Street. Like this is an opportunity for us to observe, educate, and learn. Yeah. So I applaud it. I applaud it. But that doesn't mean I'm still not thinking about this stuff. <laughs> right. I'm still not fighting for rights. Mm-hmm. Let's go, y'all. Let's go. What are your thoughts, Gianni? Um, I think that I don't know why people are complaining. It kind of reminds me of the um, was it Sojourner Truth on the twenty dollar bill? It wasn't. Should who was it? Uh, Harry Tubman on the twenty. That's where. Um, but it kind of reminds me when they were complaining about that. It's like we get. I know it's not like a leap towards what we want, but it's somewhere. It's progression. So it's. I mean, it's progress. So it's. Um, I'm okay with it, but I can see why people are mad. That's why I said what's next is reparations. So I understand. Robbie. Uh, I love what uh, Liz and Johnny are saying. It's, uh, you know, people are going to feel how they're going to feel. It's uh, there are some people who are more militant with their views who are going to feel angry regardless of the progress that's being made. But like Liz and Johnny were saying, if you're observing it, you're recognizing and, it's a day that people reflect and actually learn something about their history, then it's momentum in the right direction. Yeah, I'm agreeing with both of you, all of you guys, because, um, I mean, we, we have to start. I mean, like Black History Month was a step in the right direction. You know, uh, well, actually, Juneteenth itself was, a step, was one of the first steps in the right direction. The Emancipation Proclamation, we're always moving towards um, something. We know we're not going to all of a sudden sign a law tomorrow that solves our problem. It's not. There's no law that we can pass that suddenly solves racism as an issue. <laughs> it, yeah. it just doesn't work like that. So every step we're making towards uh, so- solving, making that solution is a, is a fantastic step. So when I was watching some of these TikToks and Instagrams and all this stuff about, oh, it's not enough. We need this. We need reparations. We, need, we do need those things. But we still have to celebrate and be happy about this. Um, I heard someone say something about, uh, one of the per- people said something about, uh, by, by approving this holiday, it just means that uh, uh, more white people are going to have the day off. Or more wealthy people are going to have the day off while, <laughs> while black people have to go to work <laughs> because they have to go to a restaurant. I'm like, really? That is not what, that's not what this is about. <laughs> it's not what it's about. I mean, did we say that when, you know, we, when, so there's a difference again between a national holiday and a federal holiday. This is a federal holiday. So not everyone in the United States has this day off. But did we say the same thing when MLK, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday was made a national holiday? Did we make these excuses? Did we say, okay, this was something to pacify us? No, we acknowledged it as a day of atonement, as a day of education, as a day of healing and learning. And this should be treated this exact same way. If we could celebrate, if we could have Columbus fucking day on the calendar, <laughs> never put in the United States never set foot in North America, in the Bahamas, if we could have that on the calendar, then we can celebrate Juneteenth, which is a day, a holiday that has been celebrated in this country 
for years. Yeah. Depending on it's been a holiday in DC for for years. Yeah, it's just not nationally. So right. now we're getting some national recognition and hopefully getting the opportunity to educate people about American history. All right. And as your token Canadian, I appreciate learning about June. <laughs> Did you say yeah. token yes, Canadian? Dude. <laughs> but, but it was absolutely an education because Juneteenth wasn't something I was familiar with until you brought it to my attention. So it, it is all about education and making sure that people understand the history and why it's important. Absolutely. All right. So that's our quick fire. And now let's get into it with our guest spotlight. Today's spotlight is on the president and founder of Rethink Resource, Shane Harker. Hey, Shane. Welcome. Welcome, Shane. How's it going? Hey, guys. All right. Thanks for coming. Let me quickly introduce you to our audience. Hailing from the Toronto area in Canada, Shane Harker is hell-bent on changing the world, one piece of garbage at a time. He is the founder and president of Rethink Resource, an environmental waste diversion company focused on making sure trash is not wasted in landfills, but instead recycled and upcycled in the best ways possible. Rethink Resource has diverted 88% of all the waste they've collected away from landfills. Now, Shane started his career working on a transportation dock at the age of 15 and then gained over 25 years of experience in business management, leadership, transportation, and waste. Prior to starting Rethink Resource, Shane is a dedicated father and husband and an amateur triathlete who also has a weakness for Reese's peanut butter cups, which is one of mine, too. So... Shane, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you having you. So feel free to go a little bit more into a little more detail about yourself. And please just add one thing in there that people simply can't Google about you. Uh, okay. What it, so when I, when I knew that question was going to come, I, I Googled myself because I'm like, can you Google me? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever Google? done that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I was like, oh, there's a couple things there. And, and, um, so the thing that you wouldn't find about me is, uh, that I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of Celine Dion. And <laughs> people wow. kind of laugh at it. Like you don't see me in person. I'm a, I'm a pretty big dude. Um, so when I say that people are like, oh, really? And, um, a little bit of, you know, funnier thing about that is when I met my wife, I think on like our second or third date, we went out, we're dancing a couple drinks and like, Biggie Smalls comes on and I knew like all the words. She's like, oh, I love that that you know all that. But then later, you know, I'm like, oh, hey, Celine Dion's coming to town. Can we go to the concert? She's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And then, and then <laughs> when we're there at the concert, nice we're, we're kind of nice close segue. to the Celine Dion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, close, right? And, um, and then we're kind of to the side and Celine's walking by and she's like, hey, why don't you go down there and try and get like a selfie with her or whatever. And she was setting me up though, because my wife took a picture of me like trying to take a selfie with Celine and she posted it on her Instagram. And uh, so, yeah, that's my Celine Dion story. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, can you sing My Heart Will Go On? Can you sing some Celine Dion? Can I sing with him to sing it? Uh oh. 
Uh, I'm willing to hear it. I, I, I could, but I think your 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 viewers might not come back. So we'll, we'll save that for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, my first question: How exactly did you decide to get into waste management? Well, so it's interesting. Um, my my brother is a city of Toronto thirty year garbage man, and you know all the things they always told me about it. I, I was in transportation, you know, my whole life, and uh, and I got a call from a recruiter to go and work for the largest waste hauler in North America, which is where I actually met uh, Rob's wife, and um, and I was like, oh, I like I don't. I don't want to do that. And, um, but in, in residential waste collection, a lot of contracts, they work four day work weeks. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, I'm in, let's go. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I went to work there and that's when I, uh, you know, that's when I learned about anaerobic digestion and organic waste and all of these things. I mean, before I started there, I was a bachelor in a basement apartment. I didn't even recycle. Oh. Um, and, and I was like, ah, oh, it's just one bag of garbage said 8 billion people, you know, later. And, um, and then, you know, when I, I got back into transportation and when I was approaching 40, um, you know, looking at my son and my wife and I was, I was quite successful in what I was doing, but something was missing. And so I, I wanted to start a business and I, you know, I quit with a very supportive wife and, and, uh, it kind of morphed into rethink resource. So. I love that. All right, Lizzie. Mostly because I, that's what I knew how to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> go do what okay. you do what you know, do what you're passionate yeah. about, Lizzie. Yeah. I have a couple of questions. The first is explain to us exactly what it is that Rethink Resource does. Like, what does your company do? Sure. So we actually do a couple of things, um, and so it. The, the company started as a brokerage. Uh, I had managed employees for so long and I kind of didn't want to do that. I, I was, the plan was I come to your business. Hey, you have waste. We're going to introduce a recycling program. Um, and as a broker, I could, you know, get better pricing. So, you know, we would charge you about the same, maybe less than what you were paying, but introduce recycling. And uh, so I make a little bit of money. We divert more from landfill. Like I knew that I wanted to have an impact in the world. Like I, 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 you know, I didn't pay myself for the first three years. I left a very oh. lucrative job. And, and so I had to divert waste. And so, um, that was the plan, but then the very first customer, um, you know, the vendor couldn't do what we needed to do. So next thing you know, I'm picking up paper for recycling and, 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 you know, cans and bottles in my Dodge journey. And, you know, shortly after a couple customers, um, you know, customer said to me, said, can you give us a diversion report? And diversion reports are like, this is how much you divert, but it's not real data. It's, uh, it's averages. Like you have two recycle bins, two garbage bins on average, they weigh this much. So, you know, he said, well, why don't you like, why don't you actually weigh the stuff you pick up? I'm like, sure, we're not making any money. So why don't we make the process more inefficient? Um, but I, I knew data <laughs> was important, right? And so, so we did it. And I'm like, we'll figure out how to make money eventually. And and so, you know, we did that for a couple of years. It was kind of a side hustle in the garage. And then, you know, we focused on the business and started growing. And, you know, one of my customers, so this gets into the sort of the second part of the business. Um, so one of my customers got their diversion report and they're like, hey, we're only divert. It was a burger shop in Toronto. 
He says, hey, we're only diverting 57% of our waste. You know, how do we improve that? And I said, well, you're a quick serve. Like, it's a local burger shop, but it might as well be like a McDonald's or or whatever else. Uh-huh. You know, it's all your packaging is garbage. And he said, well, you know, uh, like, how do you do? Like, I'm like, I don't, like, there's compostables and biodegradable. And he's like, well, you're the green guy. Figure it out. So green guy. <laughs> 2019, uh, I actually went to the U.S. Composting Conference in Phoenix, Arizona, and you know, what was key to me is I wanted to make sure that whatever we did, it wasn't greenwashing and it was like legit because there's so much out there, green this and echo that. And so, you know, I'd done a little bit of research and I figured out that there's actually compostable packaging, pretty much anything you can get out of any, you know, quick serve restaurant, you can get in a compostable. Um, but, you know, so I went there to the to the conference and learned and then I came back and we did a pilot and we swapped out all of their waste or their packaging, sorry, for compostables. But then the next step was that it's like, can you actually, you know, nobody wanted to take the stuff. I'm like, could you actually compost it? So we, we, again, I have a very patient wife. I, I built a, a pretty large composter in my backyard and we compost oh. stuff. Wow. And, um, it didn't stink. You know, when you get the recipe right, compost is a recipe. It didn't stink. <laughs> and so we composted it. And then, and then, so we started rethink packaging. So now we sell only compostable packaging and we pick it up and we bring it to a composter. But the kind of the coolest thing we did um, was we, we took the, the compost, mix it with some soil, put it outside the burger shop and we grew lettuce and tomatoes in it. And, um, and then, and then they die. What's the face, Liz? And I planted, and I planted it too late, but the great thing about compost is we saved it till next year. And so the, the final sort of segment to this was, you know, we, we ate burgers with lettuce and tomato on it that we grew in the compost that came from, that's awesome. you know, the waste in the packaging. And so, you know, down the road is, is rethink farms. We're trying to buy a farm now because I have to truck the compost you know, two hours east of Toronto um, to compost it. So we're looking for a, a farm just outside of Toronto where we can do it locally. Um, and uh, and then there's been some evolution on on the data front, and we've developed our own software and stuff. And you know, we're trying to get bigger. So there's some neat things coming there. But you know, the the, the meat and potatoes of it is packaging, pick it up, compost it, and um, you know, that's what we do. That's wonderful. So you're crazy. Segwaying right into my next very short question um, about composting. So I am definitely afraid of dirt, bugs, worms, waste, all that stuff. And so I I live in an apartment complex here, so I don't have to worry about composting. Like we're required to recycle as best we can. But I'm hoped, hoping to be a homeowner in the next couple of years. And I have all of these okay. friends now that have a compost. When I lived in Finland, I, that was when I was first introduced to composting. We had a big compost in the back, and I threw up the first time we went out there. And so what do you say to <laughs> who's just like, oh, my God, that's so gross. Like, I understand the importance for the environment, but to me, yeah. it's just gross it's so you saw my face when you just said that you ate like vegetable compost like what that's so crazy well so like we're not you know when i told my niece about this like oh that's so neat and i'm like i I didn't invent this stuff this stuff's been going on forever right like far like 
farmers used to come into the city and bring vegetables and they take the stuff out and they mix it into their soil and, and it's the nutrients that go back into the ground i mean the vegetables you're eating probably you know yeah, use most certainly uh, cow manure as cow a manure. Mm-hmm. you know as a fertilizer right so you, you just don't see it and I what i would say is it. grocer wait yeah. In a second, in a second, I'm going to tell you about black soldier fly larvae. You want to get grossed out? Google that because that's a whole <laughs> other thing. And so, black soldier um, fly larva. I'm going to have to check it out. Actually, yeah, it's, it's a particular kind of fly. Check it out on YouTube, I'll and it'll see eat if I can anything. Find it right now. <laughs> and then we're going to start that on the farm. We're gonna we're gonna take food, you know, or, or organic waste, and we're gonna we're gonna feed it to larvae. And there's a couple companies doing this all over the U.S. and Canada, and then. The larvae are like super efficient at converting that food into protein and fat, and then they feed it to fish uh, or to chickens, right? Which goes, it's like just goes back into the food system. So, but but about the compost. So here's the interesting thing. My wife is like, "Hey, isn't that thing gonna stink?" And I was like, "Well, no, not if the recipe's right, mind you. This is the first time I made the recipe, and I kind of lucked out. Like I was like, "Yeah, babe, I got it. Don't worry, you know." And and I I really did get lucky. But so here's the thing is. When you compost, um, if you do it right and you you either turn it enough or you get air into it, it heats up and it, it goes up to like we got ours up to 73 degrees Celsius. It was above. And I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's hot. Water boils at 100 degrees Celsius here. Um, and so uh, it was above 70 for 10 days. And so when the recipe is right, it doesn't really stink. And in the. The, you know, the flies won't go to it and drop off the babies so they don't get the maggots and stuff. So versus like if you put it in your garbage bag and it doesn't get picked up or the critters get in it, like in Toronto, raccoons are crazy and and they rip the bags apart and there's, you know, maggots all over the place. That's grosser than recovering, you know, the premise of the company is rethink resource to use that as a resource, right? You know, and, and then there's a whole other side of it when it goes to landfill. Uh, it creates methane gas, and it's horrible for the environment yep. and stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, so I, I got a picture of the uh, was this black soldier fly larva. That's <laughs> 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 just for Lizzie. <laughs> but but there, there's a there's a video there's all kinds of videos on there where they do like a time lapse and they just like devour a fish or somebody threw like a Big Mac meal in there or something and they just kill it like it's they'll eat anything except that you can put your hands in there they won't eat you like if you're live. I'm barely making it through the cicadas down here. Now we got, what is it called? Black what larva? Black soldier fly. Black soldier fly larvae. Okay. Give me a minute. There. Okay. Let me get They're worms. Those larvae are worms or are they flies? No, larvae like larva is like the baby fly. It's, it's a maggot. And it's just a particular kind of fly that eats more and converts it better into into protein and and uh, fat. Um, all right. Okay. So let's get to some of these comments online. So, uh, uh, question was, how wasteful are you guys? Uh, Lady Annie Barrill says, I try as much as possible uh, to buy anything that does not involve plastic, compost, upcycle. Uh, thank gosh for the for the Hibs is patient. Because the project in my house are never ending. Uh, Jeanette Brown says, one thing I actually miss about the suburbs is composting. I grew up composting and was happy to return to it in the burbs. But back in the city and apartment life now and back, but back in the city and apartment life now and back to garbage disposal. Um, Jacqueline Rob says, my condo 
building recycles, but shockingly, my work building does not. Oh, uh, and uh, Mike Wolf said, Lizzie, it's not like there's an option where your garbage magically disappears. You've got to get rid of it somehow. Co- composting is the best I way. I just don't like to yeah. think about it, but I'll get there. I, I will get there. <laughs> I will get there. there's um there's a whole like I met a whole bunch of startups around different parts of the US um because so in in Canada most municipalities even even rural areas have green bin collection um mm-hmm. and and in Ontario I think it's by 2023 uh that every residential has to have access to it um there's certain states that that have a a mandate to divert organics from landfill, but there's all kinds of startups where you can sign up and they'll give you pails and you put your organics in there, they'll pick it up. And then they'll even bring you back the finished compost, which doesn't have any, you know, critters or anything running around in it, but then you can mix it and grow some vegetables at home or something. Like there's all kinds of startups in the U S that are doing that. Nice. Yeah. I think that's missing here because in most of the, like the apartment complexes, condo complexes, they have like regular garbage. They have recycles. Yeah but not anything for organic living stuff. Um, so I yep. think that's the next phase. I think that's the next phase here. All right. We're going to go to Gianni Storm next. I was going to go to Rob B, but I want to go to Gianni Storm next. Um, I actually had a question on any tips or advice you had for uh, waste diversion, like something I could do, like something I could start. I know I can obviously like recycle, but is there a step above that? Like, that, that was my do. next question for him at the end. Well, Good question. Well, so it's actually the step before that, right? And it, it sounds kind of cheesy, but, you know, we all learn when we're in school, like reduce is the first R, right? So we're, the, the, you know, I, in my space, in my circle, the people that I connect with, you know, I, I know a, a woman that sells these like zero waste kits. And if you, when I met her, we went to like a cafe and they didn't have a green bin program for the organics. And she had like a mason jar that she put the, the, the scrap in there and brought it home. Right. So, I mean, that's next level. Um, and so, you know, I would say, you know, as, as consumers, you can pay like, you know, spend your dollars at the places that do it, but I would say reduce is always, and I'm not guys, I'm not perfect. You know, I, I, I probably in the last you know week or so I went through McDonald's drive through, um, <laughs> you know, but, but, but consumers are going to consume. Right. And, and so that's why we got into the compostable packaging. So I, I don't know that, you know, I would say that reduce always first, um, you know, reduce consumption, reduce packaging, look to the companies that are the companies that are like thinking about their packaging, um, you know, and support the companies that are doing things different in, in Ontario and the GTA. There's again, all kinds of companies like you, there's a company that'll deliver, you know, soap to uh you know soap and reusable bottles and there's all kinds of markets that are popping up um you know and that'll deliver soap and and i just switched to a, a straight razor and uh you know the way it used to, the way it used to be done like a you know a brush and a and a and you know i'm not having any waste so mm, I, sorry, I, kinda, I don't know if that answered your question gianni but i, I would say reduce always and if you want to get hardcore mm-hmm. carry a, a mason jar with you <laughs> Yeah, that, that was actually going to be my question. My, my my ending question is like anything that anybody can do. Sorry. It's sort of different. No, it was a great question. <laughs> so, uh-huh. uh, you know. so what I would say, though, is, is that, you know, in waste and traditional solid waste, people are really concerned about plastics uh-huh. and, you know, really started with the turtle video. And it frustrates, you know, the, the hell out of me because 
you know, straws are like this big of the problem, right? And I was so, thinking that. So it's, but it it became a problem, and everybody switched to um, paper, you know, compostable straws. But they're all going in the same bin, and they're all going in the landfill. That's what I was um, wondering. What I would say is, is Lizzie, is the number one. One thing we can do is divert organic waste. So if you're in a building, talk to them about starting a program. Um, find a place because that's the biggest impact is organic waste goes to landfill. It's the biggest impact on the environment. And that's the number one thing anybody can. So, so reduce, don't waste it, but then divert it from the landfill. I actually okay. have, because I think, um, you know, the paper straws, I think they're disgusting and gross. I hate paper so straws. I have my own set of straws that I will take with me to restaurants now because yeah. I can't stand like the paper straws. But another thing I think people aren't aware of, and I'm not sure how popular this is in Canada. Do you guys have like all of the meal plans, like people who um, mm -hmm. subscribe to, you know, you get like five meals per yeah. week from this. Hello fresh yeah. meals yeah. to go. Plated. That I remember when I was subscribed to one meal plan, the amount of waste that they use, plastics, mm, that it's ridiculous. That's like true. the packaging is just so crazy. And, and this I hadn't is when even I considered that. And I was, and I remember opening the box. And I'm like, okay, why is this big old piece of plastic sitting here? Mm -hmm. Like it was just for no reason. And so that's another area I think, even though people are thinking about plastic bottles and straws, that's another area now where there's a lot of waste being utilized. Okay. Because well, those, those plants are very popular. They're very popular. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. because they're convenient, right? So uh, as an entrepreneur, I try to watch movies that are inspiring. And if you've ever watched The Founder, you know, where where the, um, you know, Ray Kroc goes to the first McDonald's stand and he gets it and they're like, oh, just throw it out. It was like, as, as an entrepreneur that wants to impact the world and build a big business, I was like moved. But then I was like almost <laughs> crying because I'm like the amount of waste that these QSRs pump out is crazy. And so the challenge, you know, with, with say eliminating plastic and at the end of this year, we have a, we have a, um, across Canada is a, a single use plastic ban. It's, it's only certain items, but we're going to waste more food. Right. And that's a whole other thing that I've learned about. Like in Canada, we waste almost 60% of the food that's created, you know, that, that people could be eating. And so, um, wow. Locally, in fact, one of my customers, if I can get a, a shout out to BioRaw, um, they do these, um, you know, ready-made vegan salads and they're for sale in, um, uh, you know, in, in a lot of grocers, but they also do the home delivery. Um, but they are in compostable plastic bowls, like, and they're like as about as zero waste as it gets. So there are these options. There's another one that's not a customer yet. Um, it's a pizza joint and you, it's like a subscription, you know, my son loves pizza, but it's really good. And you get 10 pizzas and they're about to switch to compostable plastic. So everything that is out there is available in a compostable. We don't have the infrastructure yet everywhere, but we're even talking about like, how, how do you get that stuff to send back? So if you really want to compost it, like ship it to rethink resource. So there's, we're moving in that direction. Um, you know, and it's so, so I would say if you do that, you know, if you get those meals, see if they can, will entertain switching. Cause it's, the difference is only about 10% uh, on the cost of the packaging, just the packaging, which is a small portion of the cost. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get to Robbie Rock's question. Well, let me, wait, 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 a couple uh, of comments online before I get to you, Rob. Sorry. Um, so Paulette Bertrand says, uh, this is how it works in Quebec. Green bins are provided, but you have to abide by the rules. Respect the environment by replacing waste in all forms. Ephraim, <laughs> my father, says, uh, every resource is good for something. What is waste for something useful? What else can waste be used for? Uh, we need to research more alternative uses of waste. Um, and Mel says, Mel Blaine says, there are a lot of rules, regulations for shipping packages. I had to take a two-day course for my job for it. It's not green at all. Mm. Um, Jeanette Brown says, Lizzie Enders, teeny tiny bottles of olive oil. They're cute, <laughs> but as wasteful as can be. All right, Robbie? Exactly. So, Shane, uh, the environmentalist Boy Scout in me says, thank you for all of your hard work. I think what you're doing is amazing. Uh, Your business model is something that I believe in also. I think what you're doing is remarkable. Uh, Your discussion and the questions uh, asked by my fellow panelists have emptied my bank of questions. So, (laughs) in our conversation pre-show... Please tell me about your vision for your company's future and expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Um, we, um, we, you know, like many companies, the pandemic hit us hard, dropped 53% in revenue. And it was kind of wow. crazy because we just kind of started making it. I had just started paying myself a bit of money in, you know, uh, 2019 um and we were heavy into like the food and restaurant space and we did a bit of a a bit of a pivot and you know we finished strong the year um so we have our eyes set on you know remembering that i i wanted to create impact in the world and and i used to work for the largest in north america so i i know that the market is out there um and and i also don't like the snow <laughs> so we, we we want to start up actually in in Los Angeles, Southern California. Um cool. and that's it's strategic and then and then you know so I think it's Oregon, Washington state, California. So basically all the west coast. Um there are various different types of landfill bans on organics and then like New York state, Rhode Island, there's a couple over in the in the east coast. Um so, so part of, you know, I, I don't want to be in the snow in the winter. So we want to start up uh, down in Southern California and also because of the landfill ban, like right now in Ontario, there's nothing saying you can't throw all of that stuff into the garbage. And so and we're heavy, heavy, heavy into the, into the food waste space. And, and it just evolved that way. I mean, we handle all wastes for everybody. Um, and so we want to start up down there and also, you know, like the, the greater Los Angeles area is 27 million people. Like it's almost the size of Canada population wise and then, and then grow. And, and it's really about, you know, we're a small company, but a year ago we were five people and I think we're 18 now. And I said to everybody, you know, towards the beginning of this year, I think we were at 4 million pounds and, you know, we're on our way to a billion and, and how do we get there just by doubling every year? Um, and so, so that's the vision. The other way, the other part to that is, um, evolving the technology component. Uh, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, and we got, you know, some, some custom software being developed and we're about to do a pilot with a large, uh, grocery chain in Canada. Um, and, and basically we're going to, 
sort of analyze the waste um, because reduce is the first R. So we're going to use AI technology to analyze the waste and give the data back to the grocer. And, and eventually we'll use it for all of our customers. Like this is what's in your waste. Why did you have those 22 apples that weigh this much? And then they can be like, okay, why is that there? And then take steps to reduce it. And, and meanwhile, we'll be hopefully diverting that, um, you know, grow our partnership with Second Harvest, which is a, um, a food rescue agency in Canada. And, you know, they, they get food, you know, breaks my heart. I, I grew up, you know, pretty poor single mom. Uh, and I don't remember ever being hungry. Um, but, but, you know, we're throwing food away into the landfill that should never get there. And it should always go to people first. So our model has really evolved like feed people, then animals, then the larvae for the animals and then compost. And so the, wow. the, you know, hopefully to get the data to the customers to say, reduce it first. I mean, essentially I want to work my way out of a job, but there's always going to be something to collect. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. Awesome. Any final questions from anybody on the panel? No, I just wanted to say, I think the waste of food is another conversation. Yeah. I was we, thinking that as he was talking today, because Shane, I got to tell you, I, I cook a lot, but I also waste a lot of food. Um, yeah. I just out my refrigerator yesterday and I was throwing away vegetables and all kinds of things that I'm just like, you didn't even touch this. And now yeah. it's trash. So I think that's another conversation that we may need to bring you back on. Yeah, I know there's a few things in my refrigerator right now that I, unfortunately I'm going to have yeah. to throw out. It's a problem. Same. It's a problem, man. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. It's, it's a big problem. I was going to say one stat. Out. Okay. Sorry, what's that I'll share with you about that is, uh, and, and it was Second Harvest they got with some universities, and I don't think there's been any research like this in the U.S., um, but in Canada, we waste nearly 60% of the, the food that's that's created for humans to eat. So, like, when you think about it, we waste wow. twice as much food as it takes to feed the to country, eat. and there's hungry people, right? Wow. And, and so, it, as this has evolved for me and you I learn stuff, now I'm like, am I growing fast enough? How am I, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's kind of heartbreaking. I'm sure the U.S. is very similar. I, I'm curious what the stats are for the U.S., but it's probably the same, if not worse. Guilty. I am guilty. I am guilty. So Paula Bertrand says, the world needs more people like you, Shane. Thank you for your concern and making this happen. So Shane, I want to give you, before we close out, I just want to give you a few minutes to uh, say any final words and then tell people where they can find you or find out more information about you and your company. Sure. So I think the first thing I'll say is uh, happy Father's Day to my father. I haven't, because of COVID, I haven't seen him in two years. Uh, looking, We just got our second vaccination this week. So I think we're going to be able to get to the island Beautiful. Uh, in August. Um Mostly, I want to always, you know, thank my wife and my son for their patience. Um, you know, my my wife was carrying us for three years until I started making some money, and uh, you know, my son who's putting up with like eighteen hour days and 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 whatever, and even like today, you know, Father's Day, they're up at the skate park, so I can be here. Um, and as far as reaching us, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, mine is at Parker Shane. Um, the company is at rethink rink so rethink r i n c um we're probably most active on uh instagram we do lots of videos like with the larvae and dropping off the compost and um 
Yeah, check the check the stuff out, and and you know I'm hoping to announce <laughs> farm, and um, you know maybe you guys come up and you know turn some compost with us next year or something. That sounds like fun, actually. When we go see, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to see Rob sometime mm-hmm. soon. So as soon as the border opens, so we'll just come see you as well, and we'll we'll have Lizzie check out all the uh, the larvae, and we'll we'll definitely <laughs> we'll take video of it and post it. You'll get Lizzie to spin the compost in the backyard here. <laughs> You're not going to make a pit stop to see Shane and uh, rethink no, I'll go to the mall that day. I'll go to the mall of that day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. I want to thank you so much for joining us. This was a great interview. Yeah, great speaking with you. And you really, I believe you really taught us a lot. So I really, really appreciate you joining us. Thank you you so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Shane. All right. I appreciated that segment because I think it's something that we don't necessarily talk about in our Mm day-to-day lives, waste management. I appreciated that. Yeah, I I was just, as he was talking, I was thinking of my refrigerator upstairs, and I know it's not not good. (laughs) (laughs) I throw out Hundreds of dollars of food every month. It's yeah. disgusting. And you know, Robbie's not happy about that either. <laughs> that we're like yeah. that. Because you know what? He is the voice scout of the group. Household. It happens in every household. Joe and I have started using our green bin a few years ago, and we have our own composter in the backyard that we use for our garden and that we use for um, just general landfill in the yard. Uh, as I'm clearing rocks out of the backyard, well, it's nice to have something organic to dump in that will turn into earth. Yeah. Yeah. But Shane was a fantastic guest for sure. Oh, absolutely. All right. So it's time to get into our main topics. And if you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a bit about how this part works. Each week, our hosts bring us topics in the news they want to discuss. That host will tell everybody what's going on, then our lovely panel will chat about it, sharing their unique points of view on the issue until we see our friend Gingy, who's celebrating Lizzie's birthday today. (laughs) And that's when we know time is up, and it'll be time to hear from you, and we'll take your comments and questions online. Then at the very end... We'll check with the panel to see if they think this was truth, lies, or shenanigans. Now, keep in mind, for our podcast listeners on Apple Podcasts, don't forget you can join in the conversation live every Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern. We stream on all major platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at TLS Live Show or TLSShow.com. Let's get to it. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Let's start out with a birthday girl, Lizzie, today. You wanted to talk about you wanted to talk about your best friend, Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> What's going on? Hush your mouth. <laughs> She's never been a friend of mine. Cannot stand her, but we're not gonna get in just into my opinion of Chrissy Teigen. We're gonna talk about the totality of who she has been as a public figure over the past decade and some change. So full disclosure, so Chrissy Teigen, I used to work at Sports Illustrated. I was an um, editor, journalist at Sports Illustrated for 18 years. Chrissy Teigen used to be one of our swimsuit models. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yep. Um, she actually appeared on one of the covers of SI Swimsuit. So back in the day when her foolishness first came to light, I couldn't publicly speak on it. 
because it was a conflict mm-hmm. of interest with my job. However, behind the scenes, I was telling people, she's not nice. She's a mean girl. I saw it in person. You could see it all over in the way she was interacting with people. But now we have fast forward to what is it, 2021? And it's all come to a head. It's all come to light. So in 2021, yeah. we have Miss Courtney Sodden. Courtney Sodden, who 10 years ago was a 16 year old and whose family encouraged her to marry um, a man who was what, 30 years her senior if I'm not mistaken, if not more. Uh-huh. She was being pimped out for the purposes of her family. Chrissy Teigen decided that she, because this young lady, Courtney Sodden, had become um, public fodder, if you will. A lot of people were making fun of her, were, you know, talking negatively about her, either on their talk shows, or on Twitter, what have you. And Chrissy Teigen joined in the fray. So, Courtney, not this isn't a new story with Courtney. Courtney is a couple of years ago called Chrissy Teigen out for cyberbullying. Said that Chrissy was sending her text messages, sending her direct messages on Twitter, encouraging her to kill herself, calling her a whore, calling her all kinds of names. No one listened to Courtney a few years ago when she said it. Then about two months ago, Chrissy Teigen decided that she was going to shut down, remove herself from Twitter because people were bullying her. She was encountering Twitter bullies, internet bullies. And at that time, Courtney was like, "Mm, but what about your bullying? So again, she told her story. Nobody listened. Megan McCain even came out on The View and likened herself to Chrissy Teigen saying, I've been bullied on the internet too. Megan McCain, who's also a troll, but that's a conversation for a different day. Fast forward to when Chrissy Teigen comes back to Twitter because she wasn't away from Twitter for very long. She came back, Mm -hmm. reintroduced herself and appeared as a victim of cancel culture of internet bullying. And that's when Courtney Stodden for the third time came out and was like, okay, so I'm going to show you guys copies of the DMs that she sent me. Copies of the DMs where she was telling me that I was nothing, that I was a whore, that I should kill myself, that no one should like me. But it didn't start with Courtney Stodden. So Courtney Stodden, the Courtney Stodden incident was 10 years ago, right? It initially started with a nine-year-old. It initially started with a nine-year-old actress who was nominated for the Oscars in 2013, if you will. And her name is Quavenzene Wallace. And Chrissy Teigen initially got on Twitter and was like, you know, um, am I allowed to say I don't like her? Am I allowed to say that she's a brat? Am I allowed to say that she's cocky? Again, this is a nine-year-old. At the time, he retweeted something from The Onion, and The Onion was called out for this. The Onion called this nine-year-old actress a cunt. So she retweeted it? She retweeted it, and she liked it. Okay? The Onion apologized for the bullying of this nine-year-old. Chrissy Teigen didn't. 
In addition to that, there was bullying of Lindsay Lohan, where she said, let me find the Lindsay Lohan quote. She tweeted to Lindsay Lohan. So Lindsay Lohan now adds a few more slits to her wrists when she sees actress Emma Stone. Okay. So that's what she tweeted to Lindsay Lohan. She tweeted, she was bullying, um, I think, what is it? I, I don't, I can't remember the name of the MTV show. I think it's Teen Moms, um, Farrah Abrams. She tweeted mm. about Farrah Abrams, called her a whore. So it's been a consistent timeline of bullying from Chrissy Teigen. So my question is, because I know a lot of you are like, why do we care about Chrissy Teigen? It's not that we care about Chrissy Teigen, but it's the cyber bullying here. And Chrissy Teigen was one of the people who stood up and came out against Donald Trump and all of his negative rhetoric on social media. So my question to you all is, if Donald Trump is banned from Twitter, why hasn't Chrissy Teigen been banned from Twitter? If you're going in the DMs and telling them they need to kill themselves and calling them whores and all of these. Uh, why hasn't she been banned from Twitter? And we are just posted. This is a second. This is a new development in the story. And we'll get to that in a second. But I just want to get your guys, you guys, I want to get your opinion, your comments of why do you feel allowed to um, have this audience to grow her brand? on the basis of being a social media mean girl. Hmm. Let's start with Robbie. That's, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. Like cyberbullying is just straight up bullying. And some of the stuff like Chrissy Teigen isn't even on my radar other than she's a cultural meme. She's in my face like the Kardashians. I can't not know who she is. Great. Um, but, yeah, because she's, she's not good at anything she does from what I've seen, to be honest. No, no, she really isn't. Like, I had to Google Chrissy Teigen. I never found her attractive, oh, for one. Right? Okay, mm -hmm. so when she was a swimsuit model, she had a good-looking body, but she's always had that moon pie, peak chin face. It doesn't work for me. It's not, to me, and I don't, I've never understood America's fascination with her, I'd be completely honest. But, Liz, we I mean, if you were to go to people's private messages and direct messages, there would be a lot of people to cancel for, you know, go kill yourself. You're a whore. I've, I've been up to receiving it. Just even as a gamer, some of the hate language that you feel when you put yourself online, it's pretty bad. You're definitely <laughs> subject to it. Yeah. But when you're a high profile figure and you start deliberately attacking people, and I really don't like the nature of these attacks, either encouraging, telling someone to go kill themselves when you're in a high profile kind of environment it's like you said like this is just the mean girl this is the cute girl that wanted to be one of the hot girls and fooled people into a modeling career and now she's really just nothing so she's just attacking for the sake of trying to fill that hole inside of her I, I, like yeah. really that's what it feels like, like to me as well past behavior and just walk away she has more than enough money. Just walk away into the sunset. Disappear. Please. You're a bully <laughs> and you need to be erased from our collective memories. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> please go away. Please. Please. <laughs> Gianni. Um, I think the reason why Chrissy has a has an, a Twitter account still is because she has pretty privilege. Um, I know that you guys say she's not attractive, but like you said, Rob, a lot of Americans find her attractive for some reason. 
and she's a supermodel, so it comes with like this territory, I guess. Swimsuit model. A swimsuit model. Sorry. Swimsuit. I thought she was considered yeah. a supermodel. No. They put that on the on the article, and then like, I challenge you as a swimsuit model. I challenge you to show me instances where she's walked several runways. I challenge I you to show me several magazine covers that she's had. Like she's not. She, her her modeling career has been very limited. She's no Naomi Campbell, okay? She's no, no Elon. She's no, no. Um, Crawford. Like, she's not, she's specifically has been a swimsuit model. Swimsuit model? Okay. So I think that because of that, she does have some type of privilege. And um, also it's like she's married to, what's, to John Legend. And everybody, like, everybody loves him. He's like perfect almost in people's eyes. So I can see I can see why she gets a um gets some slack. But I think that the reason we are even talking about Chrissy and why it's so important is because it kind of one of the articles, Liz, that you um brought to us mentioned that within the scope of Chrissy's like raw um rise and fall from Twitter, it's it shows a culture shift of what was accepted um on Twitter or what was accepted publicly that versus now and what's you know what what makes her a good tweeter or a good person on Twitter. So um I, I think that yeah, I, I think that that is interesting because we, we got to see it firsthand manifest into Chrissy, who was like a troll, and now it's like not cool to be a troll at all whatsoever. Yeah. Um yeah. Like, like I said, I mean I, I've never found her attractive in any way, shape, or form. I mean, even as a swimsuit model, I, I didn't find her attractive <laughs> then. Um so I, I've never understood the infatuation with uh, Chrissy Teigen. I just want to—I just want to point out Mike Winner's comment online where he said, "Not Moon Pie." <laughs> I cannot talk about Rob. picked up on that is like the internet name for her. <laughs> yeah, they do. I'm not going to go there, but <laughs> I'm just saying I certainly didn't. I don't think we should go there just because I don't want this to turn into a bashing. bashing. Okay, now bullying. I mean, and, and beauty's an eye of the beholder. I mean, it, you know. Uh, so, I, it's, I but she's respectful. She's very disrespectful out there. Like Moon Pie, that's one of her monikers. That's yeah. one of her monikers. Yeah, but I, I, even even though she is, you know, she's rude to other people. You know, you, you don't want to be like her. So, you know, I I tend to avoid those direct. Um, Attacks and, and things, you know, but, but it was yeah. funny. I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> working, so I left Sports Illustrated in 2016, and um, I just remember looking around and being like, "Why are we still celebrating or giving credence to this troll?" Because even in 2016, 2015, 20, you know, 14 or whatever, she was she actually was probably worse back then because no one was pay, really paying attention. There was no the term cancel culture was not a part of our everyday lives. And so she yeah. allowed do all of these things and she was celebrated for it. it. It like Gianni said, it's only been within like the past couple of years that we've like taken a shift and been like, okay, this is not okay. So recently. I think she should be canceled. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, as a whole, as a, all right. That's how that works. Right, Let's get these comments. Spend a couple minutes on these comments. There's a ton of comments for this. Uh, so yeah, we already, already told you Mike Winner's Moon Pie comment. That was hilarious. All right. Uh, Fred Hargrove says this. This sounds like bullying. We need to pray for her. Uh, Lady Annie Burrell um, says, regardless of who you are, bullying is not right. Many are brave behind the screen. Um, and Neo, just to help you out here, it's pronounced Betty. Drop the L. Betty. Yes. Got it. Any Betty. Any Betty. Got it. Any All right. Any Betty. That's pretty. Like that. Yeah, that's pretty. All right. Jacqueline Rom says, nope, the term supermodel is overused, and this chick certainly ain't it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Jeanette Brown says, uh, this makes me sad. I appreciate her sharing her publicly about her miscarriage. I like that she's a model who eats and loves food. Uh, I like that she took on DT. DT? I don't know DT. Uh, but these, oh, Donald Trump. These revelations mm -hmm. make me sad and give me pause. Not acceptable behavior. Um, <laughs> Mike Winter says, bash her for her ugly insides. <laughs> All right. Olivia E says, from unscripted, Olivia E, most models always have something awkward appearance-wise. Um, that's true. That's kind of what makes them unique. And, and yeah. Most models don't necessarily come out with this type of um, visceral reaction to the world just so they can, you know, gain Twitter followers. And, you know, for yeah. Fred Hargrove, who said that we need to pray for her. I mean, if you guys feel the need to pray for her soul, that's fine. Um, I, I don't, I don't see her as a victim here. Um, especially now she as she and her husband are trying to appear or make themselves out to be victims. Oh, I apologize. Well, Christy Stodden said you didn't apologize. You blocked her initially. So I, I think all, yeah. a lot of this PR machine. And I, again, my point is we can't treat her any differently then we treat someone like Donald Trump who's had a social media platform and who's used it for ugliness to incite ugliness sure. and she's done the exact same thing. And I, I just, I, I think she's been treated up until this point. I think she's been treated with kid gloves. Yeah. And so, yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So we've got to get to our next topic. So we call this truth, lies, or shenanigans. Oh, thank you. Good. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. She's a liar. <laughs> I'm going with shenanigans. Lies, shenanigans. <laughs> Definitely going for shenanigans. All right. So next up, we've got G. We got Rob B. Uh, actually, we're going to go with Gianni Storm. Next up is Gianni Storm. You got a story about a dude on trial for killing his family. What's happening? What's happening with that? Yeah, so definitely a turn um, in topics, but a Florida man was actually on a, a trial for double homicide, I believe, um, for um, he was he was accused of killing his girlfriend and uh, and their disabled daughter. Um, and he also was accused of attacking his 11 year old son, at, eight year old son at the time. 
Um, so this opening statement from him has actually gone viral on the internet because a lot of people are poking fun at the fact that, well, one, you are defending yourself in a murder trial, very risky, and then two, um, just how he presents himself. So we're gonna watch the video uh, or a piece of it, um, and then I'm gonna get you guys, I have a question for the panel afterwards. The evidence is going to show that we are under some of the most By the time it's all said and done, you will see who is the mass murderer in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida. You will know why what occurred on March 18, 2018 occurred. And the evidence is going to show that law enforcement tampered with evidence to meet their such high burden of proof because originally it wasn't enough. So we had to tamper with evidence since it was such evident already, but we still had to tamper with evidence. Go ahead, Gianna. Yes, so that was uh, part of his very long opening statement. Um, like I said, it went viral. And I want to know, is he innocent? Do you guys think, do you believe his argument if you watch the video? Um, and do you believe that he should have went on trial without an attorney or any defense besides himself. Oh, I can I can jump in on that. There's no way in the world he's not innocent. <laughs> I mean, he's innocent. There's no way in the world he's innocent. Um, I mean, it, it, it's possible they tampered with evidence or got the investigation wrong. Oh, that is possible because um, they wanted to nail him. But um, I mean, his son testified. Um, yeah. Although, what did you say? No, I think that that was the determining factor that his yeah. son was able to sit here and testify and say. So Although I, I do want to point out, a deputy did adopt his son, so a police yeah. a police officer adopted his son. So That's I mean, scary. it could be you know it's easy for yet them to put in their minds okay. the child's minds. I'm just saying it's possible. There, there's reasonable doubt, but but not reasonable enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I think in this case, that, that's what happened. Um, the the deputy adopted his son because the son's mama and sister were brutally murdered. Yeah, and the son said, "Did this to me?" Like the little boy was saying, "What happened to him?" Well before the adoption process began. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that has nothing to do with it. I mean, um, what, I'm just saying. But what was your question, Gianni? I'm sorry. What was your question? Um, the question was, is he innocent and should he have went on without an attorney? Sorry. I mean, you know, that's one of the rights you have as an American citizen. You have the right to defend yourself. And so do yeah. I think you know, it's, 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 it's law. It's a part of the constitution. Do I think that he should have done it? No. Uh -huh. um, but it, it, it was his right to do so. I think a lot of people also took exception to the fact that, you know, his son was um, asked to testify, was, was forced to testify. And again, a part of our legal system requires that, you know, the defendant has a right to see their accuser. 
the accused, they have a right to stand there and look at and hear what their accuser has to say to them. Uh-huh. Now, in the case of this young man, he wasn't in the, in this little boy, his son, he wasn't in the courtroom. He was in another location. He was on closed circuit television. He had, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, help me out here. Um, a service animal with him. Huh. And Casey, oh. you know, and I didn't realize that. Didn't pay attention. Yeah, he had a service animal sitting there with him, and he had like his um, counsel with him. He had his psychologist with him. But this case is from this, and it's awful as it sounds, and I know it sounds awful. However, this is the legal system. Every defendant has the right to um, have their accuser, to see their accuser. And what we don't know is this little boy could have been like, I want to testify. Everyone's talking about how he could have been, he could be traumatized or whatever. This could have been cathartic for him. He could have said, I "I want to tell my story. There's a slight difference between facing your accuser and questioning your accuser. But the law allows for that. Like, that's what the law... Like, that's an 11-year-old child. I mean, there has to be exceptions for children. I'm sorry. But why? Because it's children. They're more important than justice sometimes. Because you alluded to the fact that the person who adopted this child could have influenced his testimony. Someone else could have influenced his testimony. And he could be lying. We don't know that. That's why we yeah. need to hear his testimony under oath. And again, yeah. we don't know what this child said to his lawyer, to his counselor, to the court. I want to testify. I want to tell my story. Listen, back in the 80s, I was a child who had to testify about something that happened to me. I was 12 years old. And I wanted to tell my story and put that motherfucker in jail. All right. And so let me get Rob in here. We only have a minute left. Um, So there's an old saying and I abide by it. A man who is his own lawyer has a fool for a client. So no, he should not (laughs) step into those shoes. Absolutely not. And from what I've read while researching the story, the details seem, certainly seem to point towards uh, Ronnie O'Neill III being guilty. Uh, but that will be for the court and a jury of his peers to determine. Um, I'm not part of those proceedings. And there is a pr- due process that needs to be followed. Um, you know, it was a violent homicide, and the son's testimony was absolutely heartbreaking to listen to. And it was just so weird. You know, how you doing, son? Hey, son, how, how you doing? It was just kind of was so was something awkward. that was surreal and weird about it, right? Oh, um, he was yeah. certainly on point and very knowledgeable of the facts of the events and the uh, the trial that was underway. But the emotional yeah. level that was there was either that of a desperate man who is innocent and pleading his innocence, or is it the emotional level of a sociopath, psychopath who's over-emoting to try to convince a jury? So it's, uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how this develops. All right, Johnny, any, any final quick thoughts? Um, just, Rob, that was a really good breakdown because um, it couldn't, I was thinking about it. I have a very, like, I, I try to be as reasonable as possible and see all sides of things. So from his point, in my mind, I'm like, 
if I was to defend myself on a murder trial, I'm innocent 100% because there's no reason I would even test those waters. Like I have to be proven innocent. So like you said, Rob, it's either a man who's desperate and innocent or it's a man who's just psychopathic or like he's just crazy, you know? Um, so I think it's the latter. I think he's crazy. And yeah. <laughs> I, there's something that, that there's something a little off. There's no question, especially the way he was yelling at it. <laughs> it, it well, he's not the first murderer to, you know, decide that they're going to defend themselves. Like yeah. this happens a lot. Oh, this right. happens a lot. This happens a lot. All right, let me get to these comments online. So Jeanette Brown says, "Child does not need to be in the same room. Child should be protected from the abuser." Video enables this. Um, I agree. Mm -hmm protect victims' nervous systems. They didn't uh, deserve the abuse, and they certainly don't deserve to be traumatized uh, further. Small ch Jacqueline Robinson says small children are also allowed to testify in camera in judges' chambers, but that is determined by several factors. Yeah, I think there has to be certain exceptions for children. I, I'm sorry. I, I just believe there has to be certain exceptions for, for minors. Um, I, I get, I understand the law and how the law is written. I think they need to rewrite the law for children. So, so <laughs> where, because, I mean, you can make the argument that they're not face to face. They're not facing their accusers. Again, you're not taking into account what the minor may want. Again, oh, no, certainly. Of, sure. If the minor wants those minors. Okay. And back in the eighties, I was not given the option to be in a different room. If yeah. I was going to testify, I was going to have to be in the courtroom. Yeah. Mike Werner says, Neo, Rape, how many rape victims have to appear in front of their rapist, right? Exactly. Like, it, this, this is the law, unfortunately. This is where we are. Yep. But if the case, if it happens that the case is going to turn over, if this young man does not testify, do you want to risk having his father out and possibly killing somebody else, killing another family? No. And so I agree. Like, you, take all the provisions. Right. Put him in a different room. If you want to talk more about it further, get in the line, get on the comments online. All right. Let's get into our last hot the last topic. Last topic. Oh, was that truth lies or shenanigans, guys? Truth lies or shenanigans? Lies. Shenanigans again. Shenanigans again. Courtroom shenanigans. shenanigans. Okay. All right. Uh, so now we've got Rob B. Rock. They're tearing down racist monuments again. But it's around your way this time. What's going on? Well, um, last, <laughs> right. Um, I last week I had done a story about uh, the 250 uh, children's bodies that were discovered at uh, the site of a Kamloops residential school, and as a result of um, this, it's really it's a different climate in Canada. It's it's definitely a more woke conversation that's happening. Um, so the statue of Egerton Ryerson, uh, who was the founder of the residential schools, has been vandalized. It was painted with with red paint and everything just to symbolize what had happened. But um, the city of Kingston, Ontario, has a statue of John A. Macdonald, who is Canada's first prime minister. Um, but the uh, Kingston City Council, due to John A. Macdonald's role as an architect of Canada's residential school systems, he's the one that enacted it, who put it into law. Um, Quickly, can you describe what the residential school system is? 
The residential schools were a program that was was a program that was federally sanctioned, but run by uh, religious institutions. And what they did is they took the indigenous population and they were trying to provide them with a more Eurocentric education. It basically, it was an assimilate. It, it was a program to assimilate the culture into Eurocentric values and uh, education. So, and, and it really, it, it did so much damage to the indigenous peoples that we really need to correct these things. Uh-huh. So, the city of Kingston, uh, the city, or sorry, the city council voted to remove John A. McDonald's statue from City Park, which is just a public park, a large public park in the area, and relocate it to the. Kataraqui Cemetery, where he's buried in the city. Um, So the event was did attract a variety of spectators and protesters. There were indigenous groups that gathered to form a drum circle in the park. There was also a small group holding Canadian flags and playing bagpipes that briefly blocked the work. But after a brief conversation with the police services that were there, they broke it up and there was no violence that took place during this entire event. Some residents feel betrayed by the city councils to uh, by their decision to relocate the statue, but Councillor Greg Rivard brought forward, who brought forward the motion, was quoted as saying, "A statue is not remove; it's not history. By removing Sir John A., it's not removing any history. A statue is symbolic of something, and I don't think that right now that the statue is symbolic of the right things." So City Park was meant to be enjoyed by all residents. And I mean, I can appreciate that it might be hard to enjoy family time at the park if you or a family member is a residential school survivor. So I personally applaud the city of uh, the city council of Kingston, Ontario. And I want to get your yep. thoughts and opinions. Did the city council of Kingston get this one right? Johnny? I think so. I definitely think they read the room on this one because it's like um, like you mentioned, I think they said that uh, it doesn't take away the history, but this symbol doesn't it's it's not representative of anything good at this time. Like it's not doing anything for us and it's actually hurting us. So let's take it away. I thought I thought it was kind of like weird that people are. You said that there were people there protesting, like, I guess they were traditional Canadians. I don't know. You said bagpipes or something like they were, they no. were, um, yeah, protesting to keep mm-hmm. the statue there. I thought that was weird because it's, it's kind of like, but why? Like, let's progress. You know what I mean? Let's, let's move forward. Um, especially given knowing the history, if you're, if you're there, but, um, Canada is turning into like a little America a little bit, like with all of these. Random, like, <laughs> I know Rob would take offense to that. <laughs> Give that the middle um, finger, I Rob. Think, I think they did a good job in in <laughs> taking the statue or uh, moving it to his uh, gravesite. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree with that. The decision to take it down. I mean, it's similar to what's happening in the U.S. You know, when we have all these racist Confederate soldiers who propagated racism and you know decided that they were, you know, were probably a lot of the people that killed a lot of slaves. And it's just, you know, it's it's time to move on past those histories 
Uh, we recognize what they are, who these people are, and they're not people who need to be um, celebrated. So I say, I like Jeanette Brown's comment, put it in a museum. I don't even like the fact that they're leaving it over his grave site because that's basically the residents paid for a memorial over his grave site. Um, So I say put it in a museum um, somewhere and just close it off and then make sure we give him his footnote in history of this horribleness that he did. Um, What do you think, Lizzie? That's true. I agree. Um, you know, public statues mean public celebration. And these people should not be celebrated. There's a difference between celebration and fact. If you put it in a museum where it belongs, it's not celebration. You are alerting the public of factual events, something that happens. If you put it in the public, you're celebrating these people. You're like, oh, you know, and that's not that's that's not what we should be doing. And if the public decides that this should not be celebratory, then there you go. Like we're not saying that there isn't a place for this. It's just that a lot of these um, supporters don't think that a museum or something else is the right place. Listen, if you want to celebrate this person, you buy some property and you put it on private land. There you go. Do your thing. But since these are public, this is a public space, this is something that taxpayers are putting money into, then no. If the public says no boss, then no boss. Get rid of it. Uh-huh. And put it where it belongs. And I want to see yeah. some, I, instead of like celebrating them, I want them to be noted for their horrible things that they've done in history. That's I want. The, I want those things to be noted and cleared. Absolutely right, Neil, because on these statues, those horrible things are not noted. Right. And so you see, you know, that this was the greatest person he did. No, he was a racist. He was a KKK member. He was lynching people. He was a serial killer. He was a rapist. Like, there are all of these things that aren't included in the public statue. Whereas if it were a museum, the museum's got yeah. the national museum is going to include the truth mm-hmm. from the yeah. beginning. All right, Robbie. Final thoughts on you. Yeah, it's like these national monuments should have an asterisk, right? Okay, here's the Washington Monument. It's this amazing thing. Asterix. George Washington owned slaves. Oh, Shiza. Yeah. It's to teach the real history. <laughs> because I, I recognize the importance of John A. MacDonald um, in Canada's history because he was our first prime minister. Well, okay, that's a big deal. Did he do certain things right? Sure, he moved Canada towards the next step. Were there a lot of things that were wrong with that? Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, North America is the last conquered land, if you will. And there's still a lot of atrocities that need to be ironed out. Uh, There's a lot of history that needs to be unearthed. And we just need to keep talking about it, moving the conversation in the right direction. So I applaud, again, the City Council of the City of Kingston for reading the room and doing the right thing. All right, real quick on these comments online. Jeanette Brown says, devastating, horrifying, uh, connected to alcoholism that... um, that is rampant on reservations. Um, yes, put in the museum. 
Uh, Jacqueline Robinson, you will never find memorials on uh, of Nazis in Germany. And uh, right. Mike Winter because says there are it's zero. Not it's yep. not enough. Like Germany has done an excellent job. A lot of yeah, all Nazi paraphernalia, all Nazi nationalism, all of that stuff. All right. We're the yep. ones here who still kind of celebrate and applaud yep. slavery. All right. North America. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Truth and shenanigans. Truth. truth. I'm all about truth. Uh, truth. I'm all about truth. This truth needs to go. Truth, but the action, shenanigans. All right. All right. Great topics, guys. Enjoyed it. And now it's time for shenanigans, the game show. We got to lighten this up. We're going to do something a little different. I realized recently there's one person that has not been, or two people actually, but one person, one of the two people, have not been on the hot seat yet. So we're putting Lizzie. You were on the hot. When were you on the hot seat, Lizzie? I don't remember you being on the hot seat. Were you back on the hot seat? I don't remember you being on the hot seat. I know Robbie. Have Robbie? Have you been on the hot seat? I've been in the hot seat. I thought you had been on the hot seat. I think we've all been on the hot seat. I haven't been on the hot seat. I thought you hadn't been on the hot seat. Well, you're going to be on the hot seat again. (laughs) (laughs) It's your birthday. So the way it works is I'm going to ask several quick fire questions. And Lizzie will, as quickly as possible, say the first answer that comes to her mind. And so, Lizzie, are you ready for the hot seat? Can you guys see your birthday? You guys can see your birthday. I see your birthday. Yeah. All right, let's go. It's very little. All right. So here's the first one. You're auditioning for American Idol. What's your go-to song to sing? Prince. Cream, get on top. (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) You get an extra hour to your day. What are you doing with that hour? Research. Hmm, Okay. (laughs) Worst food you've ever eaten? Liver. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. Best food you've ever eaten. Oh, my gosh. There's so many. Um, it depends on the day. Like, okay. I don't think I can answer. All right. Julia Roberts movies or Kevin Hart movies? <laughs> I loathe both of these actors. <laughs> you have to go with Miss Julia because Kevin Hart, you know, has made some disparaging comments about dark-skinned black women. But we don't support him. Julia Roberts. All right. First vacation after COVID. All-inclusive beach resort or Finland? Finland! Finland! All right. We're throwing a TLS event with all of your super fans. What's your interesting entrance theme song? What? Um, That's hard. Glamorous Life by Sheila E. Glamorous Life by Sheila E. I can see that, actually. All right, last one, last one. Describe yourself in one word. Fabulous. Fabulous. All right. You are off the hot seat again, apparently. (laughs) All right. Good job. Let's get this in again. (laughs) Gotta celebrate the birthday. I'm old, I'm old. She's old. All right, we got one minute left. Let's get in some shout outs. 
All right, Johnny Storm, shout outs. Shout out to my brother. I love you so very much. Shout out to you on Father's Day. Um, and shout out to my stepfather, my biological father, and to Neo, and to Rob, and to all the men and all the single um, women. Single right. mothers, sorry. Rob, you rock. Well, to build on that, I, I want to give a shout out to all of the dads, the single moms, same-sex, non-male couples, non-binary, gender-neutral parents, and anyone else in the mix that I may have missed, a very happy, all-inclusive Father's Day to all of you. I've seen some social media posts attacking Father's Day, saying that it's not inclusive. You know what? If you're filling those shoes, then absolutely you are to be celebrated today. Attacking Father's Day. <laughs> SJWs. SJWs. <laughs> All right, Lizzie. Shout outs. That made me cough. That's so ridiculous. Shout out to my new job, the Undefeated, and my interns fellows. Um, it was a rough week. A lot of deadline systems, but we got three points up to my interns online this week. So I'm very proud of them. And for bigger, better stories over the course of the next year. So I'm very proud of you guys. Shout out to you. All right, I gotta give my shout out to my dad. I, my dad, love you, dad. So I appreciate everything you've done throughout my life, and you've always been supportive and provided kind thoughts and words with everything. So I thank you for just being you. And our final shout out. Shout out to your dad because he tunes into the show. Every show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And our final shout-out goes to a winner of our Pet Shenanigans of the Week, Lisa Young. <laughs> she provided a photo of her beautiful, huge German Shepherd sitting on top of her kitchen island with the caption, my dog when I'm trying to teach my students from home. <laughs> to see Lisa's pup and all of the beautiful pets, go to your favorite pet's photo. Go or post your favorite pet's photo. Make sure you join our TLS Pet Shenanigans Facebook group. The photo with the most likes and comments gets a TLS shout out each and every week. All right. And that is officially all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank you guys for joining us. We hope that maybe you learned something, gained a new perspective, or even got some things off your chest. Don't forget, like, follow, and subscribe. Tomorrow, check out YouTube for clips at TLSshow.com. And the next TLS Live show is on June 27th, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll have a guest host sitting in for Lizzie. Jose will be joining us. So, and don't forget this Wednesday, 8 p.m., Gianni Storm, Olivia E. will be going unscripted once again. And the birthday girl, the hot seat winner, final thought for the day. Um, it's my birthday on Thursday. I'm going to be bombarding everyone with a lot of Liz E, Elizabeth Eleanor fabulousness. So, okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And happy birthday, Lizzie. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Thank you, Shane Hark of Rethink Resource, for joining us. Check out Rethink Resource at www.rethink-resource.com. Dot com. 
Thank you, Gianni, Rob, Lizzie, and people behind the scenes, Jose, Olivia. Most importantly, thank you for joining us. And we will see you guys the next time. Thank you.